We do pray that the nations will be glad. We believe that the nations are glad when they come to know Jesus Christ and they know the beauty and the goodness of Jesus and His salvation. We believe that as we turn from sin and we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, that He creates within us a new heart, that He gives us the Holy Spirit, and we heard not that long ago um, that the fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, joy. And so um, the nations are glad as they find their, their relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And so if the nations are glad, we ought to be glad. We are called a holy nation. That is, the church is called a holy nation. And it's, it, we, we, we want to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but um, uh, we are... The church, a holy nation set apart for the Lord, to which all nations are welcome. Whatever a person's background, wherever they are from, wherever they are are, um, uh, coming from or identifying with culturally in the world, they are welcome in the family of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray and then we will um, locate in our Bibles the letter of Paul to the Romans. Let's, Let's pray. Great God and most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you are, all that you have done, all that you are doing um, in us and through us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity this evening to continue thinking about church planting and particularly to uh, commit uh, the, the work that we have commenced in Infield Block to you in prayer, asking that you would, having begun a good work, would see it through to completion. Lord, we ask that you would, um, even through your word, shepherd us through this, having sent a number of our congregation, very committed brothers and sisters, out to start a new church in that community. We, um, we may at times uh, feel their, um, their absence, but we pray that we would not see this as a loss or as subtraction, but rather um, not even addition, but multiplication that the, um, the uh, local church is multiplying, that the gospel is going forth, that your people are being faithful, and that um, as the word of God advances in lost communities across this city, people are coming to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ and indeed to rejoice therein. Help us now as we think about these things from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In recent weeks, we've had the opportunity to um, work our our way through some things related to church planting. We've asked, what are we planting? And we we said that we are planting, that is literally, this is not hypothetical, Grace Baptist Church Wood Green is planting a gospel church. It's not the first time we've done this, but um, it is the, the latest time, the most recent time. In Enfield Lock, this time um, in that location, a gospel church. It is a visible church, and it is a, um, we we hope it will be a healthy church. That is one that is faithful in Christ Jesus. We we defined um, a a church biblically, but with reference to a, a historic confession of faith. That is the New Hampshire Confession of Faith, which is um, a historic document that says we believe with regard to a gospel church 
that a visible church of Christ is a congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel, observing the ordinances of Christ, governed by His laws, and exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by His Word, that its only scriptural officers are bishops or pastors and deacons whose qualifications, claims, and duties are defined in the epistles to Timothy and Titus. We also have talked about why we are planting. And this is a very important question. I was told just yesterday that it's not one that we should have to ask. But we, we really do have to. We, we have to, even if we know the answers, we need to remind ourselves of why we are committed to church planting. Uh, my friend was saying you shouldn't have to ask because there are so many people who don't know Jesus Christ in our city. There are, are, are substantial communities that just, just because it has any old church um, uh, in it does not mean that the gospel is being faithfully proclaimed. That's a sobering reality. We should not fall into any realms of self-righteousness or judgmentalism in saying that. But um, it is borne out time and again as uh, we, we seek to engage churches in particular communities where we think there may be a need and encounter not the warmth of Christian fellowship, but rather a, a sense of hostility. And in some environments, I heard from a, a pastor, um, or rather a missionary just recently, um, was talking about a meeting he had with the pastor of um, his, his, one of his near churches. And the, the pastor of that church questioned whether indeed Jesus is the only way to God and began to talk about how he would like to think that um, the uh, devout Hindus on his street would find their way to, to the Lord and to um, uh, heavenly existence in eternity and so forth. And this, this was the, the pastor of a local church in his community. We need to get back to the gospel message that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's a great deal of um, uh, watering down of those essential truths. If you do not believe that, why are you even a Christian? Well, in fact, <laughs> you're not a Christian by any historic terms. There's n at no point... Has that been verified as this is Christian belief and practice? Um, but uh, I, I, I suppose the question is, why would you bother identifying as one? Why would you even bother going to? We're all going to find our way there anyway. Why the commitment to some granted um, mishmashed version of it, one particular belief system? Those people will have to answer that question. But we have to ask why, and sometimes we're asked, well, why are you doing that? I've, I've been asked before because people look at us and they're like, oh, it's you know, not, not the biggest of churches. It's definitely not the wealthiest of churches and so on and so forth. But I, you know, I, I, they'll, they'll cross their arms and they'll scratch their face up. And, so why, why are you doing that then? <laughs> and, and, and the answer is fairly clear from, from Scripture. Um, I would like it if others who had more people and were better resourced were as committed. Church planting flows from great commission principles. It's God's will to gather His people through the preaching of the gospel. Church planting follows apostolic practice. 
It's God's will to gather and grow His people through those whom He has called and sent with the gospel message. Church planting fits biblical pictures. Things like plants and fields and harvests. It is God's will that that the people He has gathered to Himself are gathered together with each other. And we, we believe that church planting fulfills Christ's promises. That God will gather His people. That Christ will build His church. And that we will be His witnesses. Because God is faithful. Now, we, we've asked uh, what we're planting. We've asked why we're, we're planting. But um, we, we, do, we do need to, um, to explore this question of, um, you know, where, where should we plant? Where, where should we seek people to, to gather? It's a very important question. Um, we, we have spent some time in various passages of Scripture. We've, we've looked at who plants churches. Well, it was last week, I suppose. Um, we talked about the, um, uh, the pattern of Scripture. Churches plant churches. Gospel, worker, gospel churches plant churches. Gospel workers plant churches. Um, and gospel people gathering together plant churches. But there has to be a location because church is local. So we ask, where? We could ask specifically, when we're asking where, why places like Enfield Lock? Why there? And I hope all of that will become quite clear. But let's go to the letter of Paul to the Romans, and I'm going to read from uh, verse 13. Chapter 1, Romans 1, verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, we will stop there for just a moment. Where should we plant? When we're asking that question, when we're assessing that, we need to begin by looking at our obligations. What are our obligations? The Apostle Paul has not planted the church at Rome. Someone else did that. He's not been able to even visit them, although he has friends there. But he is going to pay them a visit, and he's doing so in the capacity of a gospel worker who hopes, as he later says, to be sent on by them and his onward missionary travels. Nonetheless, we can learn something from his obligations, the sense of obligation that he has when we're asking that question, where should we plant? Obligation raises the question of lostness. He says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish. Bear in mind, he himself is Jewish. He is neither a, um, a Greek or a barbarian. He, he, he is not from cultured society as that world rated it, or uncultured society. 
He, he doesn't fit into the social constructs and norms that are presented so neatly. He himself is a Jew and he was well educated, but although he's wise in his own cultural setting, he's foolish in another cultural setting. And he might be foolish in that cultural setting, but then he's wise in another. The thing is, the gospel transcends all of these barriers and boundaries. So when we're asking the question of obligation, we do need to land in the same place as the Apostle Paul. I am under obligation to anyone who is lost, to anyone who does not know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He expresses this obligation not in the sense of a burden, although obligation does certainly bring that to mind, but obligation as something that compels him. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, they've already heard the gospel. There's a church that he's writing to, but he's eager to preach to them and to the wider community to serve that local church in proclaiming Christ in their city. He later says, if we were to turn a page or so over to Romans chapter 3, he's asking questions as a man of Jewish background himself, writing to a very mixed congregation. Verse 9, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So when we are looking at our obligations, we're, we have to realize that we are obligated to proclaim Christ to all kinds of people. Paul is a Jew, but he wants to preach the gospel not only to people like him, but to Gentiles. In some settings, he's wise, but he's willing to preach the gospel to those who are deemed foolish. In other set settings, he's deemed foolish, but he's willing to preach the gospel to those who are wise. He, he does not conform to the social constructs and cultural norms around him, but he embraces the gospel task of proclaiming the love of Jesus to the world. We need to look at areas that are lost, areas that need Jesus. When we're asking the question, where should we plant? One might ask, why Enfield Lock? That is a place. You've already established the location. Absolutely. We are planting there because the area specifically defined as Enfield Lock has 18,500 people. The percentage of those who are professing evangelical Christians who would say that they have been born again of the Holy Spirit and are trusting in Jesus Christ, 2.5%. That's not to say those who tick the box of Christian. Because I, you might be fascinated to know that a lot of our very depraved and debauched and all of that communities in London identify as Christian. They're even majority Christian communities, but you wouldn't know it. It has no impact on the day-to-day -day life or even if we're honest, the weekend existence, the, um, the religious observation of the masses, 2.5%.
would say that they are born again of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, if 2.5% of people in Enfield Lock are professing to be evangelical Christians, out of 18,500 people, that leaves 18,037 people who are far from God. Are we not obligated? Are, we, we can look here and we, we do work here. Week in and week out, day in and day out. You on your streets and in your communities, me and mine. and We, we seek to proclaim Christ. We seek to work with our relationships and our networks, our friends, our family, our colleagues, all of that, I hope. Or are those encouragements not landing? I hope that we're doing that. But if, if we are, are doing that and it's all about just here, then we're missing out on God's calling on our life and Jesus Christ's commission to us. It's not about us. It is about Him. And if it is, as we just sang, Jesus at the center of it all, it's not Grace Baptist Woodgreen at the center of it all. So we can take... Is it eight or nine of our brothers and sisters from this congregation and send them out? They were very involved. There are people that would, would serve in the music, particularly. Very gifted, very engaged, very evangelistic, very. God in His providence already had them living in a community that by public transport takes an hour to get to. The far side of the massive pura that is infield. And they were commuting to us because they were struggling on their doorstep to find a place. Some of them had roots in this area, so it made sense for a while. But from the beginning, we said, wouldn't it be great to see a local church planted in that community? 18,037 people. And let's not, let's not think that we're doing anything. Because what, what can one church do to reach so many people? We praise God for the opportunity that He gives us, the obligation that He's put upon us. We will seek to be faithful, and may He save those whom He pleases through our witness, and may He choose to use others to save still more. We can't, you can't have everyone in one lifeboat. So may the Lord raise up others. Another problem that we have with when we're asking this question is territorialism. You know, people, churches getting all uptight about, oh, there's a, you hear about that church that's opening down the road? That's very unhealthy. There's a, actually a church that's in the immediate adjoining area of Turkey Street, so close to Enfield Lock that some people include it as the same area, although it's not in um, uh, geographical or political terms identified as such. I met with um, the pastor of the church that's sending out people to plant there. Great, fantastic. It was a, we prayed together and we encouraged one another because that area needs the gospel. 18,037 people need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have an obligation to go to our version of the Greeks and barbarians, our version of the wise and the foolish. We don't tend to think in those categories today. But there are, it's not that things are, are more simple today. Actually, I think they're probably more complicated. We have all of these barriers of race and ethnicity and culture. Each of those is different. Each of those is unique in its own way. And, um, and then class. Well, they say there's seven different classes in this, this island. And 
in an area like Enfield is so socioeconomically diverse as well as racially, ethnically, and culturally diverse, that everyone needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Christ, the, the walls that divided us from our relationship with God have come down, and they ought to have come down with us. And so we, we, we go and we proclaim Jesus. We're under obligation to do so. But not only should we consider obligations, we should consider op opportunities. Again, we're assessing where should we plant. If we're thinking under obligations about all kinds of people, opportunities, I want us to think about all, in all kinds of places. And this really does bring to the fore the question, not of lostness, but of location. Where actually represents an opportunity for us as a local church to plant a church? Well, when we, um, we're reading what the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans, he says that he has received, uh, if you go back to, uh, to the first chapter, That, you know, he's been hindered from, from coming to them many times, but he, he's talking about Jesus for, at the end of verse 4 and Jesus' commission uh, to him. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Do you see that? A reference to, to place? Paul is commissioned. But no, he doesn't just say, I am commissioned. We are commissioned. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. Jesus Christ has called us and is sending us with His good news message into all the nations. The reality is I can't go to all the nations productively, fruitfully. But... Among us, in the diverse body of Christ, we can go to a nation, a particular place in a nation, and someone else can go to another, and back and forth we, we go, and the nations are reached with the gospel. In the providence of God, He has gathered the nations on our doorstep. We live in one of the most diverse cities in the world. We can even start in our own borough. Herringay is one of the most diverse boroughs in this city. If we are in one of the most diverse boroughs, in one of the most diverse cities in the world, do we see the privileged position God has given to us as His ambassadors to serve the Lord in this place? If we see ourselves as ambassadors of Christ, and we're to be proclaiming Christ, and we're to be portraying Christ's likeness as opposed to culture likeness, and all of those things we're talking about in our morning gatherings as we work through Titus, we, we, we realize, I hope, I pray, that we have a, an opportunity strategically to reach people from every tribe, tongue, and language just about because they are gathered in this great city without us even having to leave. Sometimes, often, without us even having to completely learn a new language. Isn't that staggering? Do we realize that? What is our excuse? People are like, oh, I can't go on these short-term mission trips. I'm not really sure if it's effective. And I'm not, I don't. What, what about your street? 
you're not, you're not on a, you, you can't make a short-term mission trip, fine. God's given you a long-term mission life. So how are you communicating the good news of Jesus and how are you carrying out the goodness of Jesus in society? Those, those are important questions that we have to ask, but it, we're, we're thinking about church planting specifically and our role in that part of the mission of God and the opportunities He gives us are in all kinds of places. And in fact, I've said this about people, I could say it about places. There's a sense in which everywhere represents an opportunity. Every person represents an opportunity, do they not? There is an opportunity to have a conversation. There's an opportunity to make an approach. There's an opportunity to tell someone something or to potentially develop um, a relationship or some form of communication. Purely hypothetically, everywhere represents an opportunity in the sense of, is there a need? Are all kinds of people there? Are all kinds of lost people there who, who need to know Jesus? In which case, we could justifiably say that is an opportunity. Paul says um, later that he has been often hindered from, from coming to them. That's, that is Rome. If we go, let's go back to chapter 15 where he's having this, this part of his, his conversation with that church. Verse 22, Romans 15, verse 22. I've often been hindered from coming to you. So wherever he is at that time, he, he can't go to Rome. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I hope you're, you're looking at your map of the Mediterranean in your mind. I'm going to Jerusalem. That's the opposite direction of Rome from where he is. I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints from Macedonia and Achaia. That's kind of between Rome and Jerusalem, if you're looking at the map. Have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they are also to be of service to them in material blessings. So, do you see all of the different place references there? Vastly different places. Jerusalem, this ancient city of the Jewish people. Um, Macedonia and Achaia. Gentiles. Only recently have they come to know Jesus Christ and, and the gospel. Rome, the center of the empire that is now controlling all of these regions and cities. Place is, is important. Each one represents different people, different cultures, its own um, uh, unique subcultures even within those cities. Paul desires to go to Rome. He's dreaming of going to Spain, but he has a duty to go to Jerusalem. He wants to go west, but he has first to go east. But each of these places, and I hope you see that borne out in the text, each of these places reflects a viable opportunity. 
Could, God, could Paul go to Spain? Yeah. There's an opportunity there for the gospel. He's never been there before. He doesn't say why he wants to go there. He doesn't say about the, the contacts he has. There, there were seasons, not this season of history, but there were seasons where Spain was regarded as, as world's end. That was, that was the last point. By this time, they'd come to know the British Isles, and they thought that was the end of the world. Um, so, so they... Um, to have these places in their mind where they could travel. Paul's going as far as he can west for uh, uh, continental Europe at least. But he actually has to go east to Jerusalem. And he's leaving places where he has viable ministry opportunities in Macedonia and Achaia. But after Jerusalem, he plans to go to Rome. Each of these places represents an opportunity. We had sought some years ago and through various disappointments and struggles, did not materialize as we had hoped to see something develop at Bounce Green. It didn't take off at all like what we're seeing in Enfield Lock. Were we wrong to pursue that? I don't think so. Was it a failure? Humanly speaking, absolutely. And I think I can honestly um, say yes and not, not be ashamed by that um, entirely, although it, it does still hurt when I think about it. The reality is, we could plant just about anywhere. We could, it's an opportunity. We could have a church gathering every week, potentially, on Sky City. We, we had seasons where we've done stuff there. We, we could have you know, simultaneous to our own gathering, something happening there at Alexandra Hall. Well, we do every week. There's an Albanian language service that is there on Sunday mornings. We could, we could do more, though. I mean, there, there are thousands of people in our area. There are opportunities. All kinds of people, all kinds of places. I... There are seven distinct references to different places in the verses that we just read. And we could name more than that just in our own city, even in our own catchment area. We could do the same with Enfield Lock. In fact, I could show you an email that I sent to a pastor in Enfield after a meeting I had with him in which um, he had put some alternative ideas forward to, to me to explore. And I listed the ways we knocked on those doors. Here's a church in the Taylor's Road area that needs revitalization. They're dying. Maybe reach out to them and see if they would like assistance. Well, we did look, reach out to them multiple times. Even after a, initially icy reception, it didn't warm up particularly. Um, so that's fine. Let, let that be. God will have His will and His way in that, that situation, either through, um, as we read in the book of Revelation, removing that church's lampstand, that is the church closes, dies, for it to be reopened, replanted, revitalized. It's possible. It's the will of the Lord that we look into these opportunities and that as we, as we, we knock on doors, we seek the will of the Lord. There was a second one. A disused building. Overgrown. I walked by it with my, my, um, uh, our, our brother Zeth. Uh, we walked by. We stood outside and we prayed over it. 
And we saw that there, there were weeds that were grown up. And do you remember the proverb about the sluggard? Uh, I went by the field of the sluggard and it was all overgrown with thorns and thistles and weeds. And Well, that's what this looked like. And it was a bit sad because there was a nice building and it had a sign outside that said, something. the church sign, I kid you not, said, um, home of champions or home of celebrities or something like that. That was the, the church had this as part of one of their many slogans. It was a very busy sign. And um, I think it was home of celebrities. We had a chuckle about it. And then, and then I, I just thought, this is really silly and pathetic. And I'm saying that as a Christian, not as a member of society pointing at a Christ-centered local church and saying, oh, this is foolishness. No, that was foolishness. It's like, look at us. Well, I'm looking at you and I see a disused, overgrown building that is a blight on its local community. We prayed over it. I reached out to the CEO of the organization that um, owns that building. Radio silence, and that's fine. Because in the will of the Lord, I didn't know it, but they had ongoing conversations with some other people to start a church there. It wasn't in the area we wanted to plant in anyway. It's fine. But it was an opportunity, and it was one worth looking into. We might look at these and say, well, this one is Spain, and this one is, is uh, Rome, and this one is Macedonia or Achaia, or this one is Jerusalem. Whatever you want to label it in Paul's sort of list of places, lots of places are viable opportunities for gospel witness because all kinds of places are filled with all kinds of people, and all kinds of people need the Lord Jesus Christ. But you and I both know that not every opportunity is an open door. We need to think about open doors. And when we think about open doors, having asked questions of lostness and um, location, this is the question of life. Where, where is God at work opening doors for us to practice the life of the church in that community? Where can we see the life of the Holy Spirit already at work? And it's just compelling and clear. And there is a genuine open door to enter into a community with the gospel. Well, this narrows things down substantially because the first answer is quite broad, isn't it? All kinds of people, that doesn't really help us. We could plant just about anywhere. Opportunities, all kinds of places. We could plant, again, anywhere. But this narrows it down to specific places and people where God places us. If, if we go back and we, we see that the, um, the Apostle Paul is talking just before in Romans 15 about where he has been and what he has been doing. Look at verse 17. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, 
so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of Him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Do we see His priorities? Where has God placed Him? Where is there the most need? Where is there not clear evidence of gospel witness. Although Paul had opportunities elsewhere, not least in Rome, he did not and could not pursue every opportunity because there were the priorities of the open door. There was enough there to keep him busy. Illyricum, he says, uh, all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Does anyone know where Illyricum is? Just off the top of your head. Let's... Not what we call it these days, but it's the, um, it represents part or all of the territories uh, of today's Albania, Kosovo, Montenegro, Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, and Slovenia. That was Illyricum. And Paul says, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I fulfilled this ministry. God put him in particular places. He went to those places. Open doors in those places. People weren't doing stuff there. So someone's over here doing, doing, doing gospel ministry. Bless them. The Lord help them, bless them, and keep them. Here's a place where it doesn't seem that, that that's happening. If something's happening, it, it's, there, there's something off about it. Someone was telling me about an area this morning, and um, they, they, they could only identify one uh, congregation that was meeting and upon further examination it was a cult group so uh, that is real again we said at the beginning not everywhere that identifies as a church is actually being faithful to the word of God the apostle Paul was going to places some of them had a semblance of knowledge of God remember he goes his custom in the book of Acts he would go into the synagogue first and he would tell them about Jesus. The long-awaited Messiah has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And here is what he has done. Everywhere from Israel and the Middle East to the Mediterranean and Baltic European nations, he says that they have, more or less, they've received gospel access. They've had occasion to hear the gospel and respond to it. And Back to words we read just a moment ago in verse 23 of chapter 15. I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Is that not a staggering thing to say? There, some translations render that there's no place left for me here. So we will keep preaching the gospel. We will keep planting churches in specific places, looking for areas that do not have a place of vibrant, visible, local church gospel witness until there are no such places. That is the mission of the church. That's who we are and what we're about. If you look at Enfield Lock, as we did and we discussed with numerous 
um, individuals who have lived in that area or who are a part of other churches, including other infield evangelical church pastors, they could not point us to a local church gospel witness of any health or vitality in infield block. It seemed like a no-brainer. But now we can say there is one. And today they didn't quite know what to do with themselves because they had 12 visitors on top of the, the usual. These were one-offs, but it was nonetheless, um, poor Benny didn't know what he'd signed up for with the flat, I'm afraid. Um, you know, the contract keeps falling through for the, for the, um, uh, the venue. And that's just fine. Because they're learning that church, what we believe, but which sometimes we forget, church is not about the building. It's not about the venue. It's about the life of God in the soul of the local church, of, of His people. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit at work. They didn't have church buildings when the Apostle Paul was going from Jerusalem to Illyricum. They met under trees. They met by riversides. They met in houses. They met in lecture halls. They met in sort of open um, oratorial places, whatever you call those things, um, where you could have these discussions and you could have public gatherings. But they, they didn't have... Some of the things that we have become accustomed to and taken for granted, as a result, they were propelled out into their communities and perhaps thereby enabled to be more visible, more unique, and more distinct in a lost world. Remember, 18,037, was it? Without Jesus, far from God. They say that for an area to be considered reached, this is missiologists, so at an academic level, they put numbers on it and they say, if an, you know, 2% is, if it's as low as 2%, it's unreached and unengaged. Enfield Lock is a bit over that, but it, it, takes 10% for them to mark that area as reached. This place has been effectively reached for the gospel. What will it take for Enfield Block to have a population that is even 10% born again believers in Jesus Christ? Do the math. There need to be 1,850 new believers. Now, think about this. What is the global average church size? It's actually not that different from our Sunday morning gathering. 62 people. That is the, that, contrary to what the flashy sort of things you'll see on television or on social media or whatever might lead you to believe, the global average church size is 62. And that's a good number. You can know people, you can have relationships, you can interact, you can, the pastors can actually manage the task of shepherding, and it, it doesn't become a show. It, it still retains the qualities of a fellowship. 62. Now, suppose we're saying that's a number to strive for. 
that means that there are not just one, but 29 new churches in that area that are needed. If you're doing the math that way. And we could repeat that again and again across the city, I know, because there are opportunities everywhere. But God has given us an open door in that community. A few weeks ago, we had the pleasure and privilege of setting apart and sending out eight of our own to see a local church planted in that community. And God helping them, they will see it. Their first Sunday, they had 15 people gathered in a flat. Today, I saw I had 18 messages on that particular chat. I've not opened them yet. I hope things are okay. <laughs> Clearly, it was a lot of excitement. Um, we, we, we asked the Lord that they would grow, that they would be established. And for every time we send out, God brings in. God restores. It is not a loss. It's actually a gain. It's not even addition. It's multiplication. And it's not for us. It is for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for shepherding us through this season as we have, as a church, committed to setting apart and sending out people for gospel ministry in our most needy city. Lord, we pray that you would, in your goodness and grace, strengthen our brothers and sisters in Enfield Lock, equip them for every good work, empower them by the Holy Spirit, encourage them. This is a ministry that can become quite exhausting. It can be lonely. And we pray that in no way would they despair or be disheartened or discouraged. Thank you that they have had a fairly strong start. We pray, Lord, that they would continue to, to grow, to develop, to mature. We ask, Lord, that leadership would be developed there, that there would be um, elders appointed, deacons, people to serve the church through ministries of word and worship and work. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them in every way, above all that we could ask or think. And Lord, help us as we seek to be faithful witnesses in our own community. Lord, we pray for this street. We pray for the surrounding streets, the ward that you have placed us in. Our heart and desire and prayer to you is that these neighbors would be saved. So please help us. Help us to think clearly. Help us to think biblically. Help us to act wisely, winsomely. And Lord, we pray that at the end of the day, everything we would submit to you, all is vain unless your Holy Spirit blesses. So please bless and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.